Welcome everyone to The Future Belongs to Creators. This is a show about the creator economy. I am one of your hosts, Charlie. I'm joined by my regular co-host, Haley and Miguel. And we've got a very special guest today, this guy here, who is already bringing the dance moves. <laughs> what a ham. <laughs> Bear, it turns on the theatrics right when we hit go, you know. This is how I always am. What are you talking about? He was doing that for two minutes straight when the cameras were off while we were waiting for the countdown. To I was just over here doing push-ups. Let's go. Yeah. How does it feel to be back on your own show, Barrett? Well, it's no longer my show, so it feels great to be a guest. I'll just say that. <laughs> That's awesome. We wanted to have Barrett on today because, well, Clubhouse is a thing, right? Now that everyone's talking about. This guy has been on it apparently since July last year. I didn't really hear people start talking about it until like maybe late last year and only really decided that, okay, maybe I should check this thing out for myself a few weeks ago. And the main reason I did that was because Barrett kept going on about it. And so we thought, who better to have on the show to talk about this new emerging platform and what creators are doing on it, what the opportunities are and all that. Full disclosure though, we had a panel a few weeks ago and I asked what it was. True. Yep. That happened. So not everyone knows about Clubhouse yet. If you're one of those that don't know about Clubhouse, just want to make sure everyone feels included. Oh, that's a really good point. Maybe we should start off with the like, what is Clubhouse? Yeah. Yes. Barrett, how would you describe it? <laughs> uh, so Clubhouse, I would describe as a social media platform that is real-time synchronous audio. If you're a cynic, you would call it live conference calls with audiences. <laughs> if you're not a cynic, you would say it's like one of the most interesting and innovative ways to connect with people that was perfectly timed for a pandemic era when people are really lacking connection and avenues to get to meet new people. So the basic premise is you log in, there are a group of rooms. The rooms that are in your feed are based on the people that you follow. Each room has a topic. There are moderators who have a little green thing next to their name in the room. <laughs> and then there are speakers who are on the panel. And then there's audience. And um, you can raise your hand to go up on stage. Similar like if you were at a conference and there was a Q&A, you could raise your hand to get the mic passed to you. Um, you can raise your hand to go up on stage and ask a question or participate. And the best rooms are moderated super well. They're on interesting topics. And the weirdest rooms are on a whole bunch of things that maybe we won't even get into because they're interesting. <laughs> yeah. I like to think of it as like podcasting with an audience in a way, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like it's kind of like what we're doing here in that we're talking and discussing a topic. And there are people on YouTube that might be able to add a comment or ask a question and kind of come on here, but it's this without the video in a lot of ways. Yep. And not recorded. Yes. I was just going to say not recorded as well. So you can't listen back to it later. It's either you're there and you, you hear it or you're not. And you miss out basically. Yeah. I'm curious to hear everyone's first thoughts when they first used it or like, yeah, where are you at with Clubhouse? Are you a fan? Do you log in? Do you participate? What do you think? Migs? Well, um, I'll be honest when I first heard about it, you know, there's, I feel like there's a lot of entries into social media space right now. And there's only mm -hmm. so much bandwidth any one person has for keeping up with social things before your entire life is staring at your phone or whatever it is that you access it with. So I think People are very picky and choosy about what they're willing to, to do. I specifically try to limit myself to just a handful of things that I find value in and kind of ignore the rest. So when hearing about Clubhouse, it's something that at first I was obviously hesitant about because that's how I approach these things. I, you know, I'm kind of like pretty skeptic at first, 
but I specifically like it because I like to not just be doing social media and that's everything I'm doing. I kind of like to do it passively, which is Mm -hmm. why I like podcasts. I like to put on something while I work in my garage, like building stuff or or doing yard work or whatever. I like to kind of like do it that way. So I like this a lot because it kind of lets me not just have to sit in front of a screen to participate. I can just put it on and do something else. And I, I feel like that's well suited for me. What do you think, Haley? Mm, I totally agree. I think it was kind of like what Instagram was to Facebook for a while, right? Like Facebook got really polluted with so many opinions and uh, then it moved to Instagram and it became more visual and the comments weren't as like, this is early on when Instagram first started. And Clubhouse is similar for that to me, kind of for the same sentiment in that I'm going on just to consume content that I want to listen to without having it be polluted by all of these other voices or things. And I can be hyper-specific on what I'm looking for. So from an experience perspective, what I really enjoyed is right when I logged in, I was able to pick the things that I was interested in. But I do think that it's going to take some time to get really specific on the type of content that I'm looking for and have it not be polluted with a bunch of things that I don't care about. Maybe Barrett can explain more like how that has changed and evolved after being on the platform for six months. But for me right now, what I'm not struggling with, but trying to figure out is like, where are my people? Where's the Mm -hmm. content that I really want to hear about? Who are the creators that I really want to follow? And what does the schedule look like? And playing around with it like that. I don't want to have another platform where I just feel like it's polluted with so much noise. Um, I mean, it's been interesting to see the platform evolve. So I guess if you do like a little quick social history, it started with these two founders they're backed by Andreessen Horowitz, which is a big venture capital firm. They go by A16Z on Twitter. Early on, a lot of the criticism was like, it's this exclusive VC-only weird tech hangout place. And it kind of took on this like culture war between VCs and journalists for a little while. It was like the spark point for that, which was just kind of annoying. A16Z has this thing called the Cultural Leadership Fund led by Chris Lyons, and or Leon's, I'm, I'm, if I got his name wrong, that's my bad, Chris. But um, he is basically working to bring underrepresented voices into tech and make sure that Andreessen Horowitz is funding ideas that aren't just white dudes in San Francisco. And so between him and then Felicia Horowitz, who is partner in like a powerhouse in her own right, she started hosting these Saturday dinner parties that were like the event every week, 5 p.m. Pacific on Saturdays. It would be like big name hip hop stars. And then every week there would be a, you know, like a topic. So I listened into one about criminal justice reform. And so you had hip hop performers with, you know, like government officials having a serious conversation about reforming the criminal justice system in America. So that brought a lot of different kinds of people in. And so you went from like this exclusive VC kind of thing to this explosion. It was, I spoke to more Black people in Clubhouse than I have in real life in Portland in probably five years in the few months after I joined. And like that was how diverse the audience was becoming. That led to this whole narrative that they are kind of like building Clubhouse on the backs of Black culture. Hmm. That creates kind of this weirdness of, is anyone in the Black community going to win financially from this? Or is this just going to be another group of people who take advantage of Black culture and went off of it? And then they gave 20 
invites to everyone who was at in the app at some point late last year. And that was really when it started to grow and they started opening it up much more. And so this problem that you're talking about, Haley, of like, what content do I even want is relatively new. Like I'd say the past three months, it's become a lot harder to sift through everything because before that, there was just such a limited crew. So I've kind of taken like an anthropological view of being a participant in Clubhouse from a creator ecosystem standpoint, like it's a really valuable place to be and just listen in to conversations. For context, how many, do we know how many users are on as of today? Ooh, good question. I don't know. What I know is that a lot more of like people who have no connection to tech are starting to pop up because they know based on your contacts in your phone, if you give them access, they let you know when people in your contacts join to see if you want to follow them. And it's gone from like, founder type people early on that I would get notified about to now it's like everyone in my phone book who uses social media regularly feels like they're starting to pop up. So I don't know what that means in terms of numbers, but I know it's becoming a lot more mainstream. Interesting. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing is that Miguel and Haley, you have sort of just been a consumer and not been on a stage and spoken on it yet. Yeah. Correct. Um, yeah. I sounds haven't. like you have though, Barrett, in in meeting a lot of people on there. Have you hosted any of your own rooms or have you sort of raised your hand to be be a speaker in rooms? Yeah. So like my favorites last year was I was doing a lot of gardening as a way to just like get through the pandemic during the spring and summer. Uh, and in the late summer, I would mostly tune into things like NBA chats about basketball or just kind of social things that were low, low barrier to entry, low like risk in terms of participating. And it was just fun. And then as time has gone on, I like try and listen in to creator conversations. It's like getting a tap into the mainframe of what creators are talking about. And a lot of times we'll hear like, is ConvertKit even relevant to what people are talking about when they're talking about connecting with their fan bases or building communities or whatever. And then there's like the founder investor type chats that are fairly relevant. I don't know. I have more of an itch to host as I hear stuff. Like last night, I tuned into one on on remote work and like the future of work. And it was three investors and two founders who are building software for companies that are going to be remote mm. long term. And I just like it felt like they got it wrong. Hmm. Like they they needed someone on the panel who actually is living and breathing being a remote company. And they were theorizing about what it's like. And I I actually just couldn't relate to any of it. It was quite weird because we actually. We've been living it for eight years as a company, five years for me, like multiple years for y'all. So that gives me more of an itch to host and like really create content for people. I had my first um, experience on a stage just earlier this week, listening in on a tech for musicians and creatives chat that someone called Keith hosts apparently every week. Can't remember his last name because Clubhouse was only showing me the first name next to his profile (laughs) picture. But in this room was Dead Mouse. There was MC Hammer and there was a bunch of people from like labels and and things like that, some smaller musicians as well. And I was just like, whoa, this is really weird to like make my mind like understand that like, oh, these people are talking right now and this is a conversation. And I plucked up the courage to like raise my hand and ask a question and got to ask uh, what their thoughts are on email marketing and growing their audience and have MC Hammer reply (laughs) to me, which was pretty cool. And that sort of made me think like, that's when I got it. I feel like that's when I got Clubhouse was listening in on this chat. Before then, I feel like, like you, Haley, I hadn't really found the content I was interested in yet. And so I was kind of of the view of like, why should I be on here at all? I'm a little like Miguel in that I like to wait for everyone else to do the the testing and like decide if this thing is going to stick around before I get into it. 
you know, I'm not an early adopter and that sort of thing by any means. But what was cool about it to me was that direct access to someone who I would never have access to in regular life, right? And I wonder how much that will stick around once the platform keeps opening up more, you know, like are these famous people going to want to still be on it when there's much more of their fans, like, you know, freaking out about them being in the room or like just not being chill about it. But I also see this as an opportunity for creators to connect with their audiences in this way in sort of like a, like I think, was it Sean? Yeah, Sean said in the chat here that Clubhouse, you don't have to think about what you're going to look like or your lighting or whatever. It could be a really easy way for creators to connect with their audience by inviting them into a clubhouse room, you know, uh, in that way. Hmm. Something I thought was really interesting during the invite process and as I was just like doing a little bit of research is that you're always tied to the invitor, mm-hmm. right? And so as the invitor, like you you really are more cautious. Is that the right way to say that? Invitor? It's like invitee. And- Inviter. Inviter. Well, that's my accent. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I'm like cosignor, cosignee, you know, whatever. Uh, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> but you're always tied to that person. So if I go on and I just, you know, talk some mad shit, Barrett, it's going to reflect really poorly on Barrett ultimately, right? I wonder if that's the way that they designed it. Obviously, mm-hmm. early on in the app, like that's important, right? Because they don't want you to send out invites with like careless invites. Whereas as the app continues to expand, if that's going to be less, if people are going to be more free flowing with, with their invites that they get. I mean, it's, it's like you get a family tree inside Mm. of, uh, inside of clubhouse. And as you click on people's profile down at the bottom, you see who invited them, then you can see who invited them. And I find it'd be a really interesting way to discover people. So if I'm like looking at someone's profile, that's maybe on stage speaking, or there's a section for people followed by the speakers which is actually a good way to get followers. If you're in rooms, especially big ones where you're followed by one of the speakers, people just sit there and click on, like if they're sitting down listening, there's nothing to do. And so they're just clicking on profile photos to see who different people are. And if you're followed by the speakers, it's a good way to get followers. And so I've just followed people's little like family trees for a while and seeing where they originally came from. And it's like getting a real live, uh, a live look at a social graph basically. Yeah, that that point about people checking out profiles because they're just sort of sitting listening is kind of like what you're talking about, Miguel. You like to be doing something while you're in it. Some people, what they like to do is just like explore around the app. That was advice that Pat Flynn gave me early on that I unfortunately did not heed before getting on the stage with MC Hammer. He said that people will read your bio, like you should expand on it. I just had like creative director in it. And he was like, put more in there. People will check it out. And he's right because after I got off that room, I checked my Instagram and I saw that I had a few follows and likes from people who were other speakers on the stage. So they had been like, you know, checking my profile out and and following my Insta as I was, as I was speaking. So let me just pass that piece of advice on basically. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie, I was going to say you should share uh, Sean's uh, note here real quick. Oh yeah. If you're followed by a speaker, a growth hack is to immediately join a room as soon as possible because you'll show up at the top of followed by speakers if you join first. Nice. That's kind of a good transition point, though, into the growth opportunity, Barrett, you were saying before we started this, that this is where you can grow your audience the fastest right now, as far as in the creative economy. I think it might be, you know, I don't have any data to back that up, but what I've seen is if you are either hosting or speaking in rooms with a lot of people, it's like having someone famous on your podcast, except for in Clubhouse, all of their followers, if they're a fellow panelist or speaker, 
Clubhouse is going to tell, like Clubhouse is very notification heavy right now. It's one of their growth tactics is to notify everyone about everything that's happening in their social graph there. And so let's say if like, if I had Seth Godin on as a speaker on my panel and he's got like a million followers or something like that, and I have 500, all of his million followers are going to know that that's happening when it's happening. And so hosting or speaking in rooms like that, to your point, Charlie, when you spoke up in that room you were in, I think you can maybe grow an audience faster than any other platform right now as a creator, if you want to. And so the question is, is there any value in that? You know, I think that's really what you have to do the analysis on as a creator is like, of all the places I could get started growing an audience, is Clubhouse the place I want to do it? I think there's an argument that maybe you should. Like, if you're just getting started and your goal is audience growth and to have as much reach as possible, maybe Clubhouse is a great place to do that. I do think you have to be a good speaker. You have mm-hmm. to be quick on your feet. You have to be a decent moderator. Like there's a lot of skills that go into it. But like for my skill set, it's great. It's like a perfect platform for me in that way because I enjoy hosting. I enjoy asking questions and facilitating conversations. The question is, will you be able to own the relationship to that audience long-term? It's always what we come back to on our team and at ConvertKit is, do you have access to them when you want to? And if Clubhouse decides to change its notification strategy or make you pay to reach your audience, just like every other social platform does, is there going to be a way for you to translate that either to an email list, a text message list, a community platform, somewhere where you own the relationship? And I just don't think that that's been proven yet. We don't know. You know, maybe at the end of every, if you did like a live session every week, there's a a woman named Kat Cole. She was out of Atlanta. She was the COO and president of Focus Brands that owns Cinnabon and a couple other brands like that. She hosts a thing called Leadership Lab every week. Recent chats were like with Adam Grant, who's an author. And she had another one with Dr. Emily Annalt that started a a company called Koa that Mm -hmm. they call themselves like a mental gym for founders. So focused on mental health. If she, at the end of every one of those sessions said, hey, you should join my email list so that you know when all of these chats are coming up, I'd be interested to know whether that works or not. So things like that, can you translate the audience to ownership of the relationship? You know, from my experience, I'm not somebody who has a side hustle or an audience. So I'm mostly a consumer, like I was talking about before. I just kind of like a fly on the wall, you know, listening to podcasts. I like the idea of, you know, consuming things at my leisure like that. And when I think about what Clubhouse is, and it it sounds to me like it's really well established for like public figures that have thousands of followers and already kind of have a pre-built audience. And it might be a little bit difficult if you don't have people coming over because of name recognition. And it's just, hopefully you've decided that your topic is something that's interesting to people. So maybe that's how you pull them in. Or you have other speakers who are you know, on your panel that are pulling their followers in and that's kind of how you get started. But I mean, I have a Twitter account. I sometimes go on it on my phone, not that often, but again, fly on the wall, reading things, kind of scroll through, not often on it. I don't think I've ever tweeted anything. I don't have anything to say. And I think I have 15 followers and half of them are people that convert it, I think. So, I mean, if I'm going to tell them anything, it's just going to be on Slack. I'm not going to you know, throw it on Twitter. So anyways. I hear something a little differently though, when I think about community, I think that to Barrett's point about growing your audience, I almost think that it's based off of your, like your current accolades or right, like your resume in a way. So if you're hosting, like you're a speaker in a room and in your profile, you have whatever it is, COO of ConvertKit. Well, let's just use Barrett as an example, right? 
Barrett's a public figure, but he doesn't have a massive audience. He has like a relatively small audience, but his resume speaks really highly. So Barrett Mm -hmm. could try to get on a panel or connect with people, right? And his resume is going to speak for itself there. And so that gives him an opportunity, in my opinion, to be automatically seen as somebody who has authority on a topic, and he'd be able to grow his audience really quickly there. Versus somebody who's just coming on as a consumer who doesn't maybe have like a really specific resume, you know, or, you know, accolades in in some specific area. But I see it as an opportunity for people that already have like a business. They just don't have, you know, really well done resume or whatever and a lot of experience to grow their audience really quickly. Because I would look at Barrett's and I wouldn't matter to me whether or not he was famous I was doing air quotes in case anyone isn't watching. For the for the mm-hmm. podcast listeners. Yeah, yeah, for the podcast <laughs> listeners. Uh, air quotes. But it would matter to me that he was the, you know, the COO of ConvertKit. Yes. Right. But it's also timing is such a big part of it. Timing is, because I mean, Clubhouse isn't recorded, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be catching people when- In the moment. if the, In the moment, right? So it can turn out that, you know, you can go on Twitter and say, hey, I'm doing this Clubhouse thing soon. Here's the link. You show up if you can, but let's say you don't log into Twitter until later in that afternoon and you're just like, oh man, I missed it. You know, there's just like, you have to make sure that, you know, you're, you're kind of connecting with your audience when it's convenient for them. So, I mean, is there a component where you have to figure out kind of like, obviously there's time zone issues. So I'm always kind of going to be more active when it's convenient for me in the middle of my day, but halfway around the world, that's the middle of the night. So there's an audience there that's maybe I'm never going to reach. So there's a limitation there too. A couple of things on this for bios. I don't know what the character limit is in the bios in Clubhouse, but I haven't found it. And so (laughs) I kind of have found three approaches that work for bios. One is IDGAF. My name is big enough. I don't need to tell you anything. I put a little like one emoji in my bio and you will follow me because I'm me. Okay. None of us are that. Maybe Charlie. Second (laughs) is like the resume approach. Here's what I've done And what I've done is good enough for you to want to follow me. And third would be more like the about page on a website or on a landing page uh, for any creator that you're trying to gain the interest of someone who doesn't know you yet. And in that case, all you have to have is something interesting to say and enough of a focus that someone says, hey, I'm interested in that too. And if you combine that kind of bio approach of here's what I'm talking about and thinking about on Clubhouse People know what they can expect from you. And then you can do things like start a club. So there's clubs in Clubhouse, makes sense. And you could start a club like Creators Weekly or something like that. If you wanted to talk about the creator economy or Knitters Unite and you talk about (laughs) hand knitting every week Um, or Leadership Lab is another example of a club like that. And so you have a club which people can find topically. And then the third thing is you can schedule chats ahead of time. And so I think some of the people who are the the like professional clubhousers right now are the ones scheduling chats in advance. Mm-hmm. So Leadership Lab, for example, is like scheduled for the next month. And if you go in the calendar or into the club, you can see those scheduled events and you can add them to your calendar. And so that's one way to get around the like, are people on right now? The other thing though, is the serendipity. And if you think about people's daily flows, what I tend to see in there is you get the morning crowd who's like having coffee together. The lunch crowd is taking a break and listening to a conversation in the middle of the day. And then the like happy hour through the evening crowd, like evenings are huge in Clubhouse. And the biggest times are probably West Coast of the US is the biggest time zone, East Coast US. And then there's like a European contingent too. 
And so if you think about like people's natural flows of when they're going to be checking in on their phone, that can be a good chance for a serendipitous chat too. See, you know, as Barrett's talking, I'm saying screw the podcast that you and Nathan are doing. Go all in on Clubhouse, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just launch it there. Sean's in the chat, obviously dropping like massive truth bombs about Clubhouse. I wish we could just like pop him into the screen. Well, I'm you know. trying to put all his comments on the screen. There we <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. He's our fifth, he's our fifth wheel today. Yeah. Yep. Pop him into the chat. But um, Sean, what do you think? Do you think that Nathan and Barrett should, you know, pass on their podcast and go all in on Clubhouse, you know, weekly meetings? Here's the thing. There are some people recording podcasts on Clubhouse and they'll put it in the title. It'll be like the future of work with Barrett and Nathan recorded so that everyone knows that they get up on stage ahead of time and they and you each room can have its own community guidelines. So you can add it to the community guidelines. This is going to be recorded. Um, if you want to be on stage, just know you're consenting to be recorded. I'm not sure if that goes against the overall community guidelines, but I know it's happening frequently enough that I have to imagine the founders know it's happening. Yeah, that'd be worth trying. I want to say about this that I've, I'm an introvert, right? I don't like talking to strangers. But there's something about Clubhouse that like I was in there hunting for strangers to talk to. And that is just not a situation that I normally find myself in. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for creators because you don't need to have that big following already to find yourself like with an audience with people listening to you because people are searching by topic. Like that is the point of it. On most other social media, when you're searching, you're sort of searching for other creators, right? You're searching for other people. Whereas in this, you're searching for what room, what topic am I interested in listening to today? And I'm much more willing to go into one when I don't know anybody in it. I'd never heard of them before, but the topic is interesting to me. And so I think that there's yeah a lot of room for creators in that to grow. And I think we're seeing a lot of people, like you said, Barrett, the professional clubhouses, these early adopters, the people who are not me and Miguel, the people who like get in early and not don't wait until everyone else has figured it out already. There's always going to be a group who win with things like this. We saw it with TikTok, with uh, what's her name, Charlie D'Amelio or something like that. D'Amelio, however you pronounce it. Like she's freaking massive. I almost swore like millions and millions of people. And she was early on on TikTok. And we're seeing people who are like early on Clubhouse make their Clubhouse reputation. In the room that I just happened to click on, there was like one people were saying, oh, this guy, William, you know, every week he he hosts these um, get to know you sessions, uh, teaching people how to use Clubhouse. And he's built a reputation for being really helpful and helping other users get on board. So for education creators out there, I think there's a lot of room to sort of have an AMA room where people can come in and ask you questions about your topic and that that could be a really good way to grow. For sure. A couple of key points. I know we're going to wrap up here soon. Noah made a point. He has Android, so he can't try it yet. I will say that it is iPhone only right now. That is a limitation of the platform. I respect the focus though from the team. So like anyone who says, why is that a thing that feels exclusionary? It's not exclusionary. It's just like they have a limited team. They have to focus on one thing at a time. I'm sure it'll be on Android soon enough. Sean says you can waste a bunch of time. Agreed. You can waste so much time on worthless chats in there. And so I would just be ruthless. Like if you are in there and you're in a room and it's like, what is happening here? The topic and what's happening in this room do not align. Just leave, you know, leave, go find something else. And the other thing is if you're going to host, I think that there's a, there's like the top 5% of clubhousers who know how to host a room. They know how to speak contemporaneously. They know how to like moderate a conversation. And then there's everyone else that has never done this before and they're Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out as they go. 
if you can do a good topic with a structured outline, a representative panel that aren't all white dudes up there, and a focused moderation where you're facilitating the conversation, you're not just letting it happen to you. If that's a skill set that you have, I think you must be on Clubhouse right now because I think you could grow a following way faster than anywhere else and you'll gain a reputation for the things that you're naturally good at. Seth Godin would call this an impresario. Like that's, that's his term for this kind of personality where you're great at bringing people together and building bridges and exploring ideas. This is the platform made for that kind of personality and skill set. So as you're talking, the only thing that I'm hearing is that you're exceptional at this, yet somehow you're not hosting rooms. Like that's not. just repeating in my room. Like I'm like, my, it's like you need to be saying, that Barrett's actually giving this advice to himself. <laughs> yes. For yeah. everybody who knows Barrett, like, I joke about this. I say this um, all the time, but I think Barrett was an okay director of marketing. I think he's an exceptional COO. And that's why I'm not hosting clubhouse rooms. I have an actual job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you know, whatever. Uh, Anyways, going back to my point here, that's all I'm hearing in my mind is, Barrett, why are you not hosting clubhouse (laughs) rooms? I'll get right on. The first one I want to do is I want to have someone from Buffer, Automatic, Basecamp, and ConvertKit on remote work. And like, mm-hmm. let's get practitioners in a room and talk about what it's actually like to run a remote company, Love it. not what it's like to transition a company to remote in a pandemic or theoretically all the tools that we need. I want to talk with people who have been doing it for a long time and get down to brass tacks. That's so. great. Now, what I'm going to say is, is we're going to in in 30 days time, it's February 10th. And by March 10th, this will have happened. This is going to be, I'm going to hold Barrett accountable. I will, uh, <laughs> I will bring it back up in a month from now. You said Buffer, Basecamp, ConvertKit, and automatic. Automatic. WordPress automatic. The there we go. All right, guys. So follow Barrett Brooks on Clubhouse <laughs> so that you can see when that yeah. room finally happens. Yeah. But before we wrap up, because I think that was a great ending to the whole Clubhouse part, Barrett, like great, great advice. Let's all try it, but also be aware of, of the time suck of it. I want to shout out Jasmine Fox from our community. This is her link, her community link, if you want to go check her out. She's a new community member, but she jumped right into the Grow Your Audience Challenge. She's been a huge contributor to the community. So thanks, Jasmine, for everything you've been been delivering in there and all that value. Woo. Round of applause. Barrett's mm-hmm. doing a little round of applause for anyone who can't <laughs> see. All right. Well, thanks for, thanks for the conversation, everyone. Maybe we'll see each other in some clubhouse rooms in the future. Yes. Oh, Barrett's also given a fancy a weird little... wave. <laughs> the Barrett we get at the beginning and at the end of an episode is a very different Barrett in the middle. The very he's like all business in the middle. It's like a it's like a silly Barrett sandwich. It's great. Oh wait, wait. I have I have one more thing. There was a few weeks ago where we were talking about what we were wearing. Okay, and I'm just curious, Barrett, are you wearing jeans or are you wearing joggers right now? These are more like a Chino from United by Blue, which is a sustainable fashion company that is fantastic, makes all of their stuff from organic cotton and recycled polyester. So if you like that kind of thing, check them out. I love that. But that also proves my point that Barrett and Nathan are pants people during the day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have gone well off topic. Let's wrap this episode up. (laughs) Thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. 
And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.